Welcome to the Thrive Church weekly message. We hope you enjoy this message and we pray that it blesses you. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit thrivechurch.co.nz. So we're doing an awesome series at church at the moment called Love One. Um, and it's really cool. We've got prayer cards that we've been looking at of praying for one person for one minute each day for a month. And uh, I'm going to be speaking a little bit around, around our theme today um, of love one, but also looking into the aspect of love one because of who God is. Um, can I get my amazing contestants up this morning? That'd be fantastic. We've got um, a couple of daddy and daughter teams up here today. So let's give our hands together for these guys as they come on up. And uh, so we're going to have a wee bit of fun this morning. So what these guys have got, you've got some gift vouchers. We've had some awesome sponsors uh, for today. Winnie Bagos, Joe's Garage, Montes, and of course, Five Stags. And so you guys have got some meal vouchers in there. But what you need to do, you have an assortment of items. There's straws. This is just like being a kid's pastor all over again. There's Play-Doh, there's kebabs, there's toothpicks, there's sellotape. And there's one of these wee balls. And what they need to do is while I am speaking, they need to construct a roller coaster of some sorts. They will get this ball rolling and whoever can have the ball roll for the longest period of time is the winner, okay? And to make it a little bit more challenging, to sweeten the deal, you've got six lollipops. You must incorporate each lollipop into your design. And uh, you've got about 12 minutes because it's a brief message today. Your time starts now. And um, this is how we roll. Awesome. So just try not to distract me too much. And um, we're actually taking wages today, two to one odds. Um, No. Hey, so... Love one, and this is the title for my message today, love one because it fought the hardest. Love one because it fought the hardest. And and I love the relationship that Jesus and God have together, the, the example of the ultimate father and son relationship. Can you guys hear music? Oh, that's quite cool. This is like a youth group. Hey guys, stop talking, stop fighting. Yeah, it's definitely a youth group. Here we go. So love one because because uh, the relationship of Daddy God and Jesus the Son. And I love relationships between, between parents and their kids. I've got three kids and we play a game at home all the time called Challenge Accepted. If you were a fan of the TV show that you would know that reference from, it was pretty fun. And so what we would do is we pin our kids to the floor we put them in a wrestle hold and then we go completely limp on them and we say, challenge. And they say, challenge accepted. And then they have to try and escape from our grasp as parents. And it's a great fun game. And I love other things that our kids would do. You know, the kids just hop on things and then they just jump and expect you to catch them. Whether you're playing the trust game or not, that, the trust game is permanently on. Um, the other day I walked into the kitchen, Ruby's on the bench, because my kids are always on the bench. She's like, Dad, and just like begins to jump. I run, catch her just in time. Saved her life. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> Save five minutes of, of kissing boo-boos better, really. But um, I love the ultimate form of trust. And for us, we see it with our kids, they'll be up high and they jump. Like they're out in a tree, they jump and we catch them. The ultimate form of trust with the picture of God the Father and Jesus the Son wasn't a son jumping off a tree and a dad catching them. It was Jesus hanging on a tree, trusting that his dad was going to be strong enough to raise him back to life. 
And I wanna just talk around that a bit this morning, that the epic trust of love winning of the relationship that Jesus and God have and how powerful that connection is and that example of the relationship that He as a dad wants to have with each one of us. So we've got a PowerPoint this morning. We're gonna check out Ephesians. I was having a quiet time um, a few weeks back, sitting in front of my fire, having a nice hot drink. The kids weren't up yet. And I was reading through Ephesians and this chapter just stood out to me. And so I'm gonna like exegete this um, for a little while today. So all the Bible fans, holla. All right. So this is, this is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus. And he says, I keep asking, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you, the riches of His glorious inheritance and His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe." Man, what, what an awesome statement of a father in the faith writing to, to his church saying, man, I, I'm praying for you. I keep asking for you. And Paul understands the incredible heart connection between God and prayer. And he goes, man, I keep praying for you because he understands that my prayers just aren't idle words. They aren't just empty wishes or, or, or hollow dreams. He says, man, when, when I pray, I make my requests to a dad who is biased in my favour. When we pray, we, we make our requests to our dad who's biased in our favour. And we just got our next PowerPoint up. As we do this series, Love One, and we begin to pray for our community, pray for people for one person, for one minute each day, for one month. Understand that when you are doing that, your prayers are powerful and effective because you're not just praying to, to a God out there in the galaxy somewhere. You're praying to the one who has the best heart connection for you and he is biased in your favour. And Paul had this understanding. He says, man, I don't pray just once. I keep praying. I keep asking. I keep seeking. I keep praying that God's going to give you the spirit of wisdom because he's so incredible. But it's like you can only see part of him at the moment. If you saw him fully, or if you could see him as much as I see him, your faith and your expectation and your hope and your dreams would expand you into new territories. Like, I want you to be enlightened in order that you would know the hope to which he's called you to the riches of his glorious inheritance, the incomparably great power that he has for you if you'd believe. And like then there's this awesome thing. And I was just chatting with, with Sean this week about prayer. And we're just walking around his land, sharing a few thoughts and externally processing. Because we, when, I, when I pray, I find it quite challenging to like see a need and just pray for the need. I feel like if I'd say, oh, you need prayer, people text me all the time. Could you pray for this? Could you pray for that? And I, I want to pray in such a way that I'm actually really connected to what's coming out of my mouth. And sometimes I find it hard to, to get into that space. I was like, what? why is this? It's not, not like my faith is any different because my faith is a gift from God. So what He's given to me, I don't have to improve on it. If He gives me something and I have to prove on it, then it wasn't from Him. And so His faith that He gives us when we pray, that's fine. The issue for me is, is my heart connection to that faith. And so what I need to do when I begin to pray for someone in my community is I need to then begin to connect with who it is that I'm praying to. It's not about what I'm praying, it's about who it is that I'm praying to. Who am I making my declaration? to? Who am I declaring things over? Could I get a lemon, lime and bitters? Is that okay? I'd like one of those. And then the next service, I'll have a ginger beer. That would be cool. 
And uh, so here's, here's a few thoughts that I just noted down over this. Who, who you hang out with often begins to affect who you become. And in the same sense, I feel that your feelings or your thoughts alter depending on who or what you're connecting them to. So I often need to spend time in God's presence connecting with Him before I begin to ask Him things. I need to spend time in the presence of God reflecting on who He is in that space of worship. Thanks, buddy. Um, Man, like young adults last night. Oh my goodness. So, so good. Let's give it up for Jack one more time as he leaves. So when when I pray... I don't just pray because I have the sense that when I simply just pray, the faith is fine, but it's like nothing went out from me. It's like I wasn't invested, I wasn't connected into what I was doing. So if you find that when you pray, it just feels like empty words and you're not sure really, are you invested into this moment or not? What I wanna encourage you to do is try this. Before you pray, take five minutes and spend five minutes thinking about how awesome your daddy God is, how for you He is, how He is already wanting, this is looking good, how He is already wanting to see the breakthrough come that you're talking about and begin to let His heart connection for that situation begin to speak to your heart. So then your heart partners with faith. And when you pray, you begin to feel authority come out of your mouth rather than just words. Awesome, awesome. Have we got Luke Drennan um, in here? Awesome. So I I walked past Luke Drennan at the end of youth last night. He was in the kitchen with a couple other guys. And these guys, they've been been doing youth, doing the connecting, doing the squats, and they're just praying up a storm in the kitchen area. And I walked past, I'm like, what are they praying about? Because they're like, they were really invested into this. And God does something really cool in this prayer time. So I've just asked Luke, he's just popped down from wildfire. So come up, buddy, um, and just share what God has been doing with you. Um, so I'm not sure if you guys know or not, but we're doing this Sunday night. So. Yeah. yeah, so we're doing Sunday night um, services. And I was like really gutted because I work Sunday nights and I've got sport coming up on Wednesday and the other two nights that I work. And then they, my boss said I couldn't change my work days because um, there wasn't any available slots. So I was just like, because I had to give up my two work days because I wanted to come to church and do other stuff. Um, so I was like, oh, this is really sucks. And then Mitch was like, bro, let's just like, pray for it now. Like, come on, let's do it. So um, like, we were standing out the back, and then Mitch was just like, okay, so you've got to be really specific. Like, what days do you want to work? And I was just like, Monday, Tuesday, and Saturday. So then, um, so we're sitting there praying about that. And about 10 minutes later, my boss texts me. He's like, hey, look, are you available on Mondays, Tuesdays, and sun- uh, Saturdays? And I was like, oh, what? Like, it actually, like, tripped me out. I was like, whoa. <laughs> awesome. And like, bear in mind, like, he was praying at about quarter past nine. So his boss is texting him about 9.30 uh, on, a, on a Friday night. Because, like, man, like, because our, our prayers are powerful and effective because the one that we pray to is biased in our favour. So come on. And so I, I want to just look into um, Ephesians a little bit more. 
Because so Paul, he's been saying, man, I keep asking, I keep praying that you're going to begin to have an understanding of who it is that you're connected with and what resources He has available for you. Because God and Jesus, they're the perfect example of the father and son relationship, the type of connection that He wants to have with us. Jesus, Jesus, His last prayer before He leaves um, His disciples and He goes to the cross, is God, I, I pray that they would be one like you and I are one, that they would have this connection with each other and with, with us that you and I have together where there is just a complete unity of heart and spirit. And so it goes on um, from verse 19 and it's comparably great power for us who believe, and there's a PowerPoint for this. That power, the power that he's talking about, is the same as the mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under His feet and appointed Him to be the head of everything for the church, which is His body, the fullness of Him who fills everything in every way. I was reading this, as I was saying, and it was that sense that God exerted Himself that, that stood out to me. I mean, this is the God who created the whole universe. This is a God who could, who could enable His Son to walk on water. This is a God who could, who could multiply bread. This is a God who could do anything. But when it came to redeeming His Son, it was time to actually put effort in. When it, when it came time to having my connection with my Son restored and bringing my creation back into relationship with me, of seeing my sons and daughters redeemed, it was time for God to actually put some effort in and love one because God is love and He fights the hardest. And so I began to think over this of the fact that He exerted Himself. Like, what would that look like? I tried to find a translation where it said God flexed, uh, but I could not find one. But I was like, that would be cool. But what would that look like for God to exert Himself? I mean, you think about it, He has been overseeing creation. He's been with Elijah calling down fire. He's been with Moses fleeing the Red Sea. He's been helping to alter and change the course of nations and destinies. But now comes in a moment in heaven where all the angels and all of creation is watching because God is actually going to exert Himself. So I did a quick study on it. I found this cool Bible commentary called uh, by a guy called Albert Barnes. And Albert Barnes, he's been dead for nearly forever. Um, he, he, he was born in 1798. Um, and he was an American theologian. And he just wrote a, a piece on this text which just speaks um, so well. And you guys, I'm going to give you guys your three-minute countdown. Three minutes left. Ooh. Pressure is on. This is what Barnes says. That power, the power which was then exerted was as great as that of creation. It was imparting life to a cold and mangled frame. It was to open again the arteries and veins, to teach the heart to beat and the lungs to heave. It was to diffuse vital warmth through the rigid muscles and to communicate to the body the active functions of life. It is impossible to conceive of a more direct exertion of power than raising up the dead. And there is no more striking illustration of the nature of conversion than in such a resurrection." 
And then he set him at his own right hand. And the idea is this, that great power is displayed by this and in a similar exhibition is made when a man is renewed and is exalted to the high honour of being made an heir of God. So that same sense of when God exerted Himself and He raised Christ from the dead and displayed His authority and power and put in Jesus the ability to fill everything in every way, that same demonstration of power is put on display every time somebody says, Jesus, I wanna follow You. Every time I say, God, I want You to be my Father. Every time I get to this place and, and all says all of heaven rejoices because they see the demonstration of power as Christ begins to get the fullness of his reward. How, how awesome is that trust connection between God and Jesus? When Jesus is on the cross and, and, and everything's looking at him and he just knows that, man, my dad is going to come through. My dad is going to come through. It, it doesn't look like it at the moment. I can't see it at the moment. It doesn't feel like it at the moment. But my dad, he is going to come through. I had, I had a poem um, that I wrote down that I was going to read, but instead I've just, I've got uh, the shortest spoken word probably in history. And, and it just goes this about the life of Christ, of what God sent Him for as a gift to us and what He was to achieve. Born to be raised, raised to be slaughtered, slaughtered to be buried, buried to be raised, raised to be praised. There is just such an awesome thing that God has got for our community. It's like love won and love keeps on winning because God is love and He continues to fight harder than any other spiritual force on the planet. His plans are better and they are stronger and they are more powerful and more creative than any other scheme of the enemy. And when we begin to pray and we begin to partner with God's biased heart for North Canterbury and for New Zealand, when we begin to pray and partner with His biased heart for your friends and for your family, and we begin to lean into a God who is already leaning into their breakthrough, imagine what fruit we can begin to see when we understand the, the incomparably great power that He has for us and the inheritance and the riches of His glorious heaven. That our hearts would be open to see that we don't just connect with a God who created the universe, but we connect with a dad and we speak to him and we make our request to a dad who is biased in our favour. God is, is the ultimate dad and Jesus is the ultimate picture of, of a perfect son and the connection and relationship that they have. But every time someone steps into a relationship with Him, that same power is displayed because they no longer live. They've been crucified with Christ. They've been set free and they're a new creation. And each one of us has that same connection and that same relationship ability to relate with God in the same way that Jesus did. We said, man, I only do what I see my Father doing. And we can lead our lives with that same expectation that we just do what we see our Father doing.